Amen. Psalm 25. I've been during the holiday season, really this December, doing a little mini-series called In God We Trust because it's really from a personal uh, uh, real challenge from the Lord to trust Him in uncertain times. How many of you know the capacity to trust is of no value till you need it? You think about it. If everything's going perfect, everything's coming up roses, it's just, hey, but it, the, you know, faith and trust and confidence in God is for the question marks in life. And all of us walk through times in our life where we just have to look at the circumstances and, uh, look beyond the circumstances, uh, and say, hey, I put my trust in the Lord God. I don't trust in chariots. I don't trust in, 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 you know, in man. I don't trust in the things of this life. I put my trust and my confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ. And somebody said, amen. amen. So let's do this tonight. I know we prayed, but let's just ask God to open our hearts to hear what he has to say to us tonight. Father, we thank you, Lord, that we're going to hear what you have to say tonight as we study your word together. Open our hearts to a new level of understanding of who you are and, and what you have for us so we can then respond to who you are and begin to put our trust in you on gra in greater levels than ever before. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn in your Bible to Psalm 25. This has been, the first two verses have been our kind of kickstarter verses for the last three Wednesday nights. And I want to read the entire psalm because tonight we're going to actually uh, kind of peel away some layers of Psalm 25. And I'm just going to look at Psalm 25 from the perspective of, of really the theme of this psalm. Uh, and how many of you know, I don't remember much about English uh, but I remember when you're writing, a, uh, you know, something, you, you know, you got to in the introduction. There has to kind of get the theme there and then the body and then the conclusion. What is that? Any, I, did, is that a, I mean, what, is that just how you write? I mean, I can't remember. There, there's some probably grammatical English, you know, I'm, I just, I'm just drawing from way back. But uh, this is what David does with this psalm. He gives you the real theme of the psalm, and then he concludes with that. He comes back to that. So we'll see that tonight. Uh, and uh, so let's just enjoy ourselves. Look at your neighbor and smile. Say, man, I'm so glad to be here tonight. Tell somebody smile. So glad to be here tonight. Let's just let the Word of God make a difference in our life tonight. Here we go. Psalm 25. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, I trust in you. Let me not be ashamed. Let not my enemies triumph over me. Indeed, let, let no one who waits on you be ashamed. Let those be ashamed who deal treacherously, treacherously without cause. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. On you I wait all the day. Remember, O Lord, your tender mercies and your loving kindness, for they are from old. Do not remember the sins of my youth nor my transgressions. According to your mercy, remember me. <laughs> for your goodness sake, O Lord, good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he teaches sinners in the way. The humble he guides in justice, and the humble he teaches his way. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth to such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my iniquity, for it is great. Who is the man that fears the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way he chooses. 
He himself shall dwell in prosperity and his descendants shall inherit the earth. Did you catch that? I love that. The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him and he will show them his covenant. My eyes are ever toward the Lord. He shall pluck my feet out of the, uh, for he shall pluck my feet out of the net. Turn yourself to me and have mercy on me for I am desolate and afflicted. The troubles of my heart have enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. Look on my affliction and my pain and forgive all my sins. Consider my enemies for they are many and they hate me with a cruel hatred. Keep my soul and deliver me. Let me not be ashamed. Catch verse, this last part of verse 20. For I put my trust in you. Let integrity and uprightness preserve me for I wait for you. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all their troubles. And everybody said, Amen. We're going to look at this psalm tonight, kind of like we've looked at it at other illustrations of, of people trusting in God. We looked at Hezekiah last week. Uh, we looked at the sons of Reuben a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and we're going to look at David tonight because, man, when you read the Psalms, in fact, uh, there's a lot in the Psalms about trusting God. And I think I've got some figures and facts for you tonight along that line. It was really a theme of David's life. In the uncertain places of life, in the troubled times of life, he leaned into his faith in God. He he was trained, if you will, in the trusting of God. And so we'll learn some things from King David about trusting God and help, and, and maybe he can train us a little more about trust. Uh, and so here we go tonight. I just want to take a closer look. I want to give you this truth, and then I'm going to give you some thoughts about it. Da- here's the truth. David's capacity to trust was developed by his understanding of the Lord and his capacity to, and then I'm going to give you eight thoughts. Here's the big idea. When he began to understand God, it helped him trust, trust him. You see, when you don't understand something, it's hard for you to trust it. If you're looking at, you know, technology or anything and you go, man, I don't know about this. I I don't know. If you don't have, if you have a lack of knowledge, it's hard for you to trust uh, in, in the circumstance or the situation. But if you have some knowledge, if you have some insight, if you have some revelation about something uh, that maybe that nobody else does, they're all wondering, man, what's the matter with you? Man, I know about this, so therefore I trust this. And, and, and that's the same way with humanity. When you know somebody, then you can either trust them or not trust them. But until you really know them, it's hard to trust them. Are you with me? And so the more we get to know and understand God and, and who he is and his capacity, his ability and his identity, the easier it is for us to put our trust in him, especially in the question marks of life, especially when there's enemies that are many. He said, my enemies are many. Man, he's, he's got, he's got, uh, uh, you know, whether his enemies, he was referen- referencing actual people and kingdoms and can- I really don't know. But how many of you know, even when we just think about it from a spiritual standpoint, do you realize our enemies are many? The spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. And so we really can learn some things from David tonight. So David's capacity to trust was determined or developed by his understanding of the Lord's capacity to, here we go, and the first one is this, the Lord's capacity just to be who he is. 
Look in Psalm 25, 1 and 2. Let me just show you. He says, to you, O Lord. Somebody say, Lord. In fact, he says this 10 times. He calls him Lord 10 times in 22 verses. And, and we just use it as a name, you know, dear Lord, we thank you today for, but, but how many of you know the Lord is, is, that's more than just his name. Are you with me? It, it's who he is. Uh, he, he says, uh, to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. Oh my God, I trust in you. The word Lord is Jehovah. It means self-existent or eternal one. You know, his understanding of, of God, that he's eternal. He always has been and he always will be. It doesn't matter what comes and goes. He's still and will, for, and will forever be Lord. How many of you know just that thought just makes you feel a little better tonight? It, you know, it doesn't matter. Hey, whatever comes, trouble, trauma, tribulation, you know, enemies. Uh, hey, uh, we are in service and submission to Jehovah, the self-existent and eternal one. It's kind of like what God said when he, they said, well, who should I say? Was it, was it Moses? Who should I say sent me? You just tell him I am sent you because this is who I am. I am that I am. I'm self-existent, always have been always will be. I'm the eternal one. That's the one who you serve. You see, David's capacity to trust God was developed uh, by his understanding that the, that he was and is and forever will be Lord, eternal one. Number two, he understood and was able to trust in God because not only God had a capacity to be, but God had a capacity to govern. He called him, Lord, he said this, look, to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. Then he says, oh my God, I trust in you. Now, again, not just another name, but an understanding. God means supreme God and magistrate. Magistrate means righteous judge. Now, think about this in, in, in reference to trust, because soon he said, soon as he said, Oh my God, I trust in you. What he was saying is, Hey, I, I know that you're eternal. You're Lord. You, you always have been. You always will be. And you are supreme God magistrate. You're the righteous judge. And I, and I know that you will judge rightly. Therefore, I can put my trust in you. Because I know you're God. You're the supreme God. You're the, and from a New Testament perspective, thinking of Jesus, King of kings and Lord of all lords. And so once you begin to understand just he's Lord and he's God, it helps you be able to say, oh, I can trust that. You know, a lack of, a lack of trust in God is a lack of understanding of who God is. You get it? Look at your neighbor and say, did you get that? You got it? Okay, oh, here we go. All right. So, man, that's thrilling me. Uh, and so uh, David's capacity to trust was developed by his understanding of the Lord's capacity to, to just be who he was and to govern. And then and number three, he, his capacity, God, the Lord's capacity to lead. Everyone say lead. Look in verse four and five. Show me your ways, O Lord. 
Teach me your paths. Lead me into your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. On you I wait all day long. He just knew, hey, I'm just, he's, think about this. Think about it. He's Lord, always has been, always will be, and also creator of the universe. He's God, the supreme God uh, of all gods. He's the righteous judge. You can trust his judgment. And guess what? He has that same Lord and God has the capacity and the desire and the ability to lead me personally. And, and where's the cross reference there? Psalm 23. How many of you know Psalm 23? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. You're with me. You lead me in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. You see, when you understand Lord God, remember, he called him Lord how many times? Ten times in 22 verses. You're the Lord. You're good. And then you're God. In fact, and God, he, he, he addresses him a God two or three times. He said, you're the righteous judge. Here I am in the middle of all this mess. These enemies all are after me and, and trouble is all about me. Uh, and you're, you're my governor. You're going to lead me. You're going to judge rightly. You're going to take good care of me in the process. See how the more you know about him and the more you know him, the easier it is to trust him. David's capacity to trust was developed by his understanding of the Lord's capacity to be, to govern, to lead, and then number four, to save. Look in verse 5b. He says, lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. Everyone say, he's the God of my salvation. That word salvation, it's an Old Testament word, certainly would relate uh, in a New Testament perspective, but this word means this. Uh, it means you're the God of my liberty, my deliverance, my prosperity, and my safety, uh, for you are the God of my salvation. You're, catch this, you're the supreme magistrate and judge concerning my liberty and deliverance and prosperity and safety. And and he, this whole uh chapter has this thought threat. Look in verse 11. He says this, for your namesake, O Lord, pardon my iniquity for it is great. He's talking about being saved from his iniquity. Look at 15b. My eyes are ever toward the Lord for he shall pluck my feet out of the net. There's that deliverance idea and that liberty idea. Look in verse 16 through 20. Turn yourself to me and have mercy upon me, for I'm desolate and afflicted. The troubles of my heart have enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. There's that sound. He's crying out to God for salvation. Look on my affliction and my pain and forgive all my sins. Consider my enemies, for they are many, and they hate me with cruel hatred. Keep my soul and deliver me. Let me not be ashamed, for I put my trust in you. You are the God of my salvation. You're the magistrate. You're the God. Uh, you're the righteous, supreme God over my liberty, my salvation, my deliverance, my victory, and oh, by the way, my prosperity. Hallelujah. That's who you are. In fact, the last verse of that chapter reveals the same thought about him being the God of our salvation. Redeem Israel, O God, out of their troubles. And so David understood and, and had the capacity to trust because, because he understood the Lord's capacity to, to save him in any circumstance, in any situation. Number five, 
He trusted God because he understood the Lord's capacity to remember. Everybody say remember. This is a little interesting insight. He's, he's really, it's almost like he's, you know, bartering with the Lord here a little bit. It's pretty neat. He says this uh, in verse 6, remember, O Lord, your tender mercies and your loving kindnesses, for they are from old. He's just saying, man, remember I don't want you to forget, God, how how you're a God of mercy and grace and loving kindness. In fact, what does, I think, Lamentation said, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. And he's just, when he's coming to God in desperation, he just said, hey, God, just don't forget who you are. And 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 basically, you know what? He's He, he in his own humanity, is reminded himself of who God is. But he knew God had the capacity to remember who he was, and he just crying out to him. And then number, number six, uh, he was trusting God's capacity uh, 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 to forget. Because God can remember, but he can also forget. And here's what he asked him to forget, and this is what's interesting about, about God. This is probably the only thing he forgets. He says, do not remember the sins of my youth. God, just in all your memory, memory, remembrance, just remember how loving kindness and forgiving and how merciful you are. And don't remember the sins of my youth. You know, the scripture teaches us in a number of places. Isaiah 43, Jeremiah 31, 34, Hebrews 8, 12. They all say he, he forgets our sins. He not only, you've heard this phrase, but you may or may not have knew it as a biblical one. He not only forgives our sin, but he what? Forgets our sin. And when we bring it back up to him, he said, what are you talking about? I forgave that. And so he, he was able to trust God because, listen, he knew God could remember who he was. He just asked him to be sure not to forget. And then he knew, he really knew God uh, has the capacity and the ability and the desire to not only forgive our sin, but forget our sin. You know, the biggest problem with sin uh, and past sin, uh, even sin we confess, it's not, hey, the biggest problem is our remembrance of it. And so he just said, God... I'm trusting your capacity that you forgot all those things that are still kind of haunting me a little bit. Helped him trust God. Hey, think about it. If you really knew in your heart that God had forgotten the sins that you've confessed, all the sins of your past, wouldn't that help you trust him a little more? That he's not... How many of you know, some people, if they know, or let me just make it, let's just... Put this light on us. There's some people that you know have made mistakes in the past, right? People have tendencies and that, and you, you smile and nod, but something you say, I just can't trust that person because of what you know about them, correct? And so if we, if we could just in our, in our memory, but just wash that out, we, it'd be, life would be so much easier. We just trust people, put a tin on everybody's forehead and just love. And that's, you know, that's what God does when he washes you. The Bible says you're white as snow and he removes our sins as far as the east is from the west. And he not only forgives, but he forgets and he looks at us with a clean slate. Somebody say amen. And he doesn't look you through, he doesn't look at you through the tainted lens of your past. 
That ought to help us trust him more. Amen. So David's capacity to trust was developed by his understanding of the Lord's capacity to just be who he was, to govern rightly and supremely, to lead righteously, to save him completely, and to remember and pour out the mercy and the loving kindnesses upon David and forget his past and forget the sins of the past. And here's number seven. He he had an understanding of the Lord's capacity to teach him and empower him and equip him for the task ahead. And, uh, oh, this is a big theme throughout the Psalms as well, uh, because he says this a lot. But look in verse 4 and 5. He says, show me your ways and teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. Man, if we'd just say that to God a lot, we'd get a lot further down the road. How many of you realize that? But he knew God would teach him. Verse 8 9, good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he teaches sinners in the way. And the humble he guides in justice. And the humble he teaches his way. God wants to teach us. And if we just know, if we just knew, if we just be teachable, that God would teach us. Think about this. Whoo, come on now. If we would just, if we really knew, if we would just open up ourselves and be teachable to God, he'd walk us through this. He'd teach us the things that he needs us to learn. In fact, here's some things you see uh, throughout the Psalms that David said, teach me your paths, teach me your ways, teach me your statutes. Teach me the fear of the Lord. Teach me good judgment and understanding. And then he prays this, Lord, teach me to do your will. All these are in just the Psalms. There's other places. But I'm telling you, when you come to the understanding that if you'll just become teachable and willing and, and yielded to the Lord and to, the, and to God, he will teach you what you need to know. In fact, And this is no biblical out for not going to school, but the scripture says you don't have, you you don't need, the Holy Spirit can teach you things. If there's no teachers around, the Holy Spirit will teach you. You don't really need a man or a woman. If you'll just yield yourself to the teeth, the Spirit of God, He will teach you. And so when you, when you catch that and understand that, you just trust, man, I trust Him. Amen. And then here's the one I like, and we'll shift gears a little bit. David's capacity to trust in the middle of these uncertain times was developed by his understanding of the Lord's capacity to relate to him. Now, this is big to me. This is big. Everybody, everybody set up straight. Now I'm going to pay attention. Here we go. This is big. He, he had an understanding that who he, oh, number one, he's Lord. He's the self-existent one, eternal one, always has been, always will be. He's God, the supreme God and magistrate. Uh, and, and oh, by the way, he wants to spend time with me. He wants to relate with me. And he can relate to me. I'm mere flesh and blood. He's God Almighty who always has been and always will be. But because he's God and he created me, he has the capacity, and not only the capacity, but the desire, follow me, because I'm going to give you a scripture that's going to blow your mind, uh, the desire to spend time and relate to me on a one-on-one basis. Here's what he said, verse Oh, verse uh, 14, the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him and he will show them his covenant. Everyone say the secret of the Lord. Now this word is not, this word is not like I'm going to show you some secrets that nobody else knows. I'm going to tell you a secret. That's not what that word means. This word means intimate counsel 
personal consultation. And, and it has the whole thought of, uh, of, uh, desire to come down. In fact, the word mercy that we'll look at in just a moment, verse 16, means to bend and to stoop in kindness to someone who's inferior or, or would be designated as inferior. In other words, here you are and somebody's way down there. You show mercy by bending down and stooping down to them and not trying to make them come up to you. And, and, and this is the whole fault when he says the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him. His intimate one-on-one counsel and consultation and relationship with you uh, is with those who fear him. So when we reverence him, he has he, his, his greatest desire. And, and when we learn this, man, the trust factor and the trust level goes way up. God wants to spend time with me. He wants, he wants to provide his intimate personal counsel. He wants to consult with me one-on-one. And catch this, it's probably the same type of word. Uh, David said, in the secret place. He hides me in his secret place, in the middle of his intimate counsel, in his personal uh, 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 uh one-on-one, if you will, fellowship. I love that. How many of you like that? Look at verse 16. He, and David, because David is tapping in. Listen, he, here's where you see him tapping into this understanding of God who wants to have intimate counsel and consultation and fellowship and relationship with us at, at, at the, the, the secret of the Lord, that intimate place with God. He, he, he says this, turn yourself to me and have mercy on me. Let me give you a little simple illustration. My grandchildren, uh, how many of you know, most ever, it's hard for anybody to look anybody in the eye. You know, I, in fact, a while ago I had Jojo. He just, you know, he's, he's more, he's here and he's ready to move. I said, look me right here. I have to take their face. I have to say, look me right here. Look, look right, look right here. And their eyes were just going everywhere. Look me right here. Look, let me tell you something. This is what David's saying to God. I know the secret, the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him. So, here I am. I'm cashing in on who you are. Turn yourself to me. Who? He knew that if he would just call in the Lord, he knew that this was a place he could go with God. Intimate counsel and fellowship. He says this, turn yourself to me and have mercy on me. He, and he's saying, here's what he's saying. I know your way up here. I know you're up here. I'm way down here. I know I'm inferior. I've done, didn't talk to you about my sins, my pardon, pardon my iniquity for it's great. I'm way down here and you're way up there, but I know who you are. Now you catch this with me. I know who you are. You're a God who doesn't just stay way up there and, and look down upon me and, 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 and thump me on the head every once in a while. No, you're a God and you're a merciful God and your loving kindnesses are everlasting. And I'm just asking you right now. I'm tapping into who you are right now. I'm just wanting you to turn yourself to me and stoop down to my level and get right down where I am and come right down in the gutter with me because man, I am in need of some secret time with God. That's my Pastor Sam's. I told y'all that was pretty good. That got all over me today. He said, 
turn yourself. Face me. Bend down and stoop in kindness to this person because here he says, I'm desolate. Everyone say desolate. That word, you know what that word really means? Oh, and this really makes it personal. Lonely. Everybody say lonely. There's never a reason why any believer should ever be lonely. David understood in the darkest place, in the worst place, the secret of the Lord with those who fear him and his mercy. He bends down in my lonely darkness and fellowships with me intimately. He desires and has the capacity and the ability, even though he's God and Lord, to bend low in my lonely place. He said, I'm desolate and afflicted. Everyone say afflicted. This word here means depressed in mind and in circumstances. Now, catch this. You ever been just having, you're okay out here, but in here you're just all fouled up. You're just distressed. You're depressed in here and here. You're grieved. Out here you're smiling. You're like camouflaged misery. <laughs> How are y'all doing? Good to see you. Ah, God bless you. Hallelujah. Inside it's just, ah. You know what David's saying right here when he said, I'm afflicted? It's going on in here. It's going on in here. And it's going on out there. That's why I need you. To give some secret time and with me and shoot down to me. This is where I am. And I trust that when I call unto you, you'll answer me. Ooh, I love that one. So there you go. Let me go over these because I'm going to shift a little gears because I'm going to go back to David and how he responded to who God was. David's capacity to trust was developed by his understanding of the Lord's capacity to be who he was and govern as God, lead righteously, save completely with liberty and deliverance and prosperity and safety, to remember who he was and his tender mercies and loving kindnesses and to forget our sin, hallelujah, and to teach us the ways of God, teach us the paths of God. Teach us the statutes of God, the fear of the Lord, good judgment. In fact, if if the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him, how many of you know we need to learn to fear him and reverence him? I will talk about that in a second. Uh, and his capacity to relate to us intimately is so huge. In fact, what does the New Testament say? Uh, in fact, let me just say, you know, David, David didn't know he was living in the Old Testament. You know, some people in the Old Testament, the priest, he goes in there. uh, Hey, David pushed past all the religiosity of the day. He said, I'm just going to spend time with God. It's not the priest. It's not just the priest who can go into the holy place. Now, I understand I'm not desecrating the reality of what God put in place there. But uh, David knew that just because uh, he couldn't go into the holy place, it didn't mean he couldn't go into the holy place. Are you with me? Okay, so 
when David got an understanding of all this, who God was, His supreme authority to judge and rule, to lead, to save, to remember, to forget our sin and to teach us and relate to us on a personal level, it empowered him, here we go, shifting gears, it empowered him and enabled him to do some things that he did in this verse here. So let's move ahead, Ike. Let me show you this right here. David's understanding and trust in the Lord's capacity enabled him, number one, to lift. Everyone say lift. Go back to verse one. He says, to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. Uh, everyone say lift. You, you now, here's what this is saying right here. He's, he's, it implies absolute surrender of everything he was. Soul, New Testament understanding, mind, will, and emotions, my being, everything I am, my heart, my life, it's all. He says, I'm lifting it up to you. It, it, it's just a, it's a picture and a word, a, a way he says it that certainly implies I'm surrendering to the lordship of God. I'm surrendering to the governance of God in my life. And, and so when he understood who God was, there's no problem with this. I'm trust, I know you're God. I know know your Lord. And so I'm just putting everything I am into your care. I lift it up to you. Here I am, Lord. It's kind of like that New Testament passage in Romans 12, 1 and 2, when it says uh, that we offer ourselves everything we are as a living sacrifice. This word lift is like an offering. And so when David understood that, he had no problem. You know, people have a, some people have a problem submitting everything to God. They just don't know who he is yet. They don't know what he's done yet. His capacity and ability to forgive and to heal and deliver and save and, and to relate to us on a one-on-one one level. He said, I lift, I lift my soul. And I love the next one. Yeah, David, uh, and it empowered him when he began to realize all this. It empowered him just to be able to wait. Everybody say wait. Look in verse 3. Look, I said everybody say wait. I think so. everybody say wait. 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 Look in verse 3. Indeed, let no one who waits on you be ashamed. Now, in fact, he says this in another. What's the other verse here? Let's see. Verse 5. He says it again. Uh, Lead me in your paths and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. On you I wait all the day. Now, uh, this word wait is much bigger and wider than, than I'm, I'm just waiting on him to show up. It seems like it's that word, uh, you know, here, here my enemies are all around me, uh, and you know, there are many, uh, and so therefore I'm waiting on you, <whistles> waiting on God, show up, wait on him. That's not the meaning of this word at all. It's just another level of reliance. And here, here's what the literal word, follow me, everybody, look, the, the literal meaning of this word, in fact, uh, Isaiah 40, 31 says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings as eagles, they'll run and not be weary, they'll walk and not faint. Same exact word. This word wait means to wrap yourself around by twisting. That's exactly what it means. What does that mean? Okay. Here's the, here's the picture. Take a little vine out by itself, just a little vine. You just, you know, you mow it down, you can hoe it down, you can cut it, you can pull it, break it. But that vine knows something. 
if I can make it to the oak tree and start wrapping myself around that thing and just twist my way around that oak tree, around and around. Everybody say around and around. We go, and he twi- he knows if I can twist, if I can wrap. Everybody, look up at me. Don't don't look at you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I can't appreciate it. There you go. Here, let's wrap it around. I'm telling you something. Change your life. You'll just live. It's called waiting on the Lord. Wrap yourself around and around. And what does that vine do? That vine takes upon itself the strength of the tree. And here's David in the middle of all of this. He's beginning to understand who God is. And he says, hey, listen, let me tell you, let those be, uh, he's, indeed, let no one who wraps himself around God, who twists, just and takes upon himself the strength of Almighty God, wraps himself, uh, guess what's going to happen? He's not going to be ashamed because he's going to take upon himself the strength of God. He's not a little, uh, you know, measly little vine out here here, he has wrapped himself around all of who God is. That's why David, or Isaiah said, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings as eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and not faint because they have taken upon themselves the strength of God. Are you with me? Say amen. Hallelujah. So David's understanding and trust in the Lord's capacity empowered him and enabled him to lift and submit to God and to wait to wrap himself around God. And number three, to bow low. Verse nine says, the humble he guides in justice. And I'm telling you, when you read this psalm, you can hear a humble heart. David knew that the, the humility of his life was so, uh, was such a top priority. And listen, when you understand, and this is my pastor Sam's long-term definition of humility. It's the understanding of who you are in the light of who he is. How many of you know you can take the proudest man on planet earth and stand him before God Almighty and what's, what's going to happen? Every knee will bow, every tongue will come. Because in the presence of God, I know who I am. And I am... Barring his mercy and grace, a man, I'm just, ooh. and so David understood that. Doesn't matter who calls me king, doesn't matter who calls me, you know, the boss, doesn't matter how, what I've attained to. Uh, he, he understood the, the humble he guides in justice, the humble he teaches the way. When he understood who God is, when you understand who God is, it's easy to be humble and respond rightly and humble ourselves before God David's understanding and trust in the Lord's capacity and ability enabled him to bow low with no reservation and humble himself before God. It also enabled him, number four, to keep. Look what it says in verse 10. He says this, All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth to such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. The word keep means to guard and protect 
uh, he, he had great value over the testimonies and the, and the teachings of God. And so when you understand who God is and, and his ways of truth and righteousness, you'll want to keep that. You don't want to lose that. People who, who, who are case Sarah about even what I'm saying right now, they don't understand. Listen carefully. When you begin to understand, this is God's word. It's righteous altogether. It'll change my life. It'll transform my life. Therefore, I'm going to guard and protect it and value it in my life. That's what David had the capacity to do. And it wasn't just because he was supposed to. It's because he knew who God was. Are you with me? Say amen. And so when he understood those things, it empowered him to lift, to wait, to bow, to keep. And then number five, to reverence. That verse 12, who is he who fears the Lord? He talks about the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him. How many of you know the word fear has a number? Interesting thing about this word right here. It's, it really is the same, the fear of the Lord. It's the same word as being literally afraid. Okay, but it has a different meaning in this context. How many of you know we are not supposed to be afraid of God? Right? This context is reverence. You know who he is. So you're not high-fiving and fist-bumping. You still know you can have, catch this, you still know you can have personal one-on-one secret place of the Lord is with those who fear him. The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him, who reverence him, who understand who he is and humble themselves before him. 25 times in Psalms, David said, the fear of the Lord. Proverbs is, is hot full of it. Solomon got it too. The fear of the Lord uh, is the beginning of what? Wisdom. The reverence of God. See, when, when people don't reverence God, it's because they don't know Him. They don't understand Him. So David did, and he, he responded rightly by humbling himself and embracing and guarding and protecting the covenant that he made with God and the Word of God and reverencing God in his heart. And number six, uh, it enabled him, when he began to understand who God is, it enabled him to focus. Look in verse 15, to stay focused. He says, my eyes are ever toward the Lord. Everyone say that. My eyes are ever toward the Lord. Say it again. My eyes are ever toward the Lord. Now, this is more than just, I'm going to keep my eyes on Jesus. Turn your eyes on Jesus uh, and look full in his wonderful face and the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. That is correct, but this word toward has motion to it. It's not just... Here, here it is. My eyes, where, where's the Lord? Oh, here's the, there he is. My eyes are ever toward the Lord. It's emotion. My eyes are toward him and I'm moving toward him. 
And I'm keeping my eyes on him and I'm moving toward him. I'm not static. I'm not backing up. I'm not just, I'm not looking around. I'm not looking here or there. My eyes are ever toward the Lord. I'm focused on him. Yes, I keep my eyes on Jesus, but I know, how many of you know God is not sitting still either? And I'm going to move toward him. As he moves, I move. My eyes are ever towards him and I'm moving towards him. I'm not moving away from him. And you know, the second I think we get our eyes off him or the second we stop moving, is when things start going south in our life. My eyes are ever toward the Lord. Not just sometimes, ever toward the Lord. If you knew His capacity to lead you and direct you, why would we ever get our eyes off Him? Think about it. David's understanding and trust in in the Lord's capacity enabled him to lift, wait, bow, keep, reverence, focus. And number seven, repent. All through this book or this letter, he repents. But verse 18, look on my affliction and my pain and forgive all my sin. David was a, how many of you know David was a sinner just like us? He, He committed some egregious sin. Read Psalm 51. He committed adultery with Bathsheba and he had her husband killed, for goodness sake. Sent his death sentence back with him into the heat of the fray. Bathsheba's husband, forgot his name, Uriah. Did I get it right? I think I did. Uriah did not know what it said, took it to his commander. Commander reads it, basically says, put him on the front lines. Until he dies. In fact, the reason he came home in the first place, David's trying to cover his sin. He says, bring him home. Let him sleep with Bathsheba because she'd gotten pregnant and I don't want to be caught in the act or caught with that. So bring him home. Let him sleep with his wife. And he was so committed to uh, the cause. He said, Why could, how come I can do that when all my friends are out there risking their lives in the battle fray? And he slept on the porch. He wouldn't go in. David had him killed. I'm telling you, that's a, that's a mess. But read Psalm 51. It's a psalm of repentance. Created me a clean heart. That means, that word create means make something from nothing. Created me a clean heart. Renew a steadfast and a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Uh, um, he just goes on to me and, and, and on and on and, and restore unto me. He said, then I'll teach transgressors your ways and sinners will be converted unto you. He was repentant. He turned from it. He did that because he knew God was a God of forgiveness and a God of healing and deliverance. And then finally, we'll close tonight. And I, this is kind of neat to me. This, this, this last verse seems out of context. But you got to think of him uh, as, as King David from this standpoint. And then the bigger picture comes into play. Uh, and, it, and, it, and it empowered David, even in the middle of this trouble and trauma, to have a bigger picture understanding and care for who he really needed to be caring about. See, he realized it wasn't all about him. Everybody say, it's not all about me. 
It's not all about me. It is about me, but it's not all about me. I mean, if I'm not okay as a leader, then nobody's okay. And he understood that. He knew he had to get himself right because he had greater responsibilities. And he says in verse 20, redeem Israel, O God, out of all their troubles. What's he saying? The bigger picture here is, God, I care for who, what you've put me in charge of, and I'm just calling upon you. He knew God would deliver them, but it, it empowered him when he knew who God was. And all his abilities and capacity and desires and mercy and grace, it birthed within him a care for other people who maybe needed him too. How many of you know there's a lot of people that need him too? There's a lot of people who feel like David did when he said, bring me out of my distresses. Look upon my affliction and pain. I'm desolate and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. There's a lot of people who need him too. They need to know who he is. They need to know him. They need to learn to reverence him. And so, David, in all of this self-application and diagnosis and crying out to God, the bigger picture came into play. Oh, God, redeem Israel out of all their troubles. That's the bigger picture. Amen. How many of you know if you're not okay, the people around you won't be okay? The people who God's put in your life for you to influence won't be okay. There are people, listen, uh, there are people waiting on the other side of our understanding. When the light comes on and we realize, whoo, he's Lord, he's God. He's my shepherd. He leads me. He's, sa- he's my savior. He's the one who forgives and forgets my sin. He's my teacher, my helper, and the one who wants to spend intimate time with me on a personal level. Everybody said amen. In God we trust. Let's stand together. Thank you, Jesus. Let's, let's just declare something to God tonight that we've learned and thank Him for it tonight. Just whatever's about all that I've exploded on you with right there, just, just say, Lord, just apply it right now for a moment. Lord, I thank you for the Word of God. Lord, I just embrace it into my heart and life. And I thank you, Lord, that you are Lord and God. You're my Savior. Lord, you're my leader. You're my teacher. You're my helper. You're everything I need. Your mercies, Lord. Your mercies, Lord. You've been down low. Lord, we ask you to bend down low for we, Lord God, are inferior to who you are. And we ask you to bend down low because we reverence you. And we know the secret of the Lord is with those who fear you. And so we thank you for bending low into our lives, spending time with us. We put our trust in you. We put our trust in you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Well, there you go. My last time to teach in 2016. Other than Friday night, I'm going to preach to each a little bit. So, But hey, God bless you. 
Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. And He'll direct your paths. Amen. I hope to see you Friday night.